Welcome into Locked On Blackhawks. Today is Tuesday, July 14th, 2020. I am your host, Jack Bushman, tuning in for the 169th episode of LOB. As always, be sure to subscribe to the Locked On Blackhawks podcast for free wherever you listen to your podcasts, whether that be through Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, etc. You'll be able to get the latest episode as soon as it comes out each day. Also, please go follow the Locked On Blackhawks Twitter page, which can be found at capital L, capital O, underscore Blackhawks, as some good stuff will be posted there daily as well. Okay, so to kick off today's episode, we need to talk about the biggest news coming from the Blackhawks' first day of training camp yesterday, which was that veteran goaltender Corey Crawford is currently unfit to participate in Phase 3 of the NHL's return-to-play plan, according to head coach Jeremy Colleton. Out of all 35 players on the Hawks' postseason roster, Crawford was the only player that did not attend yesterday's practice, and of course, as part of the NHL's new policy that we've talked about here a couple times on the show, Calton was not able to further comment on Crawford's situation regarding the reason for the absence or how long he will be away from the team for. So, a lot of unknowns surrounding the situation at the moment here regarding Corey Crawford. The first thing that comes to mind, obviously, is that Crow could be one of the 30 NHL players that tested positive for COVID-19 over the weekend, as we know he's not always the most responsible guy when he's not at the ice rink. If Crawford is currently positive, that means he will be held in quarantine in quarantine for at least a week or so, which could put the Hawks at a tremendous disadvantage if he isn't able to practice with the team before returning to play. There's also been talk going around on social media right now about how the birth of Crawford's second child back in April could be affecting his decision to participate in training camp, as obviously you don't want to be catching the virus with a newborn baby in the household. Whether or not that would keep Crawford out for the entire postseason, we obviously still do not know because we don't know if this is even true, but I'm sure this whole topic will be talked about literally every day until we get an answer out of either Colleton or Crawford himself. On the positive side, though, Crawford did not choose to opt out of the potential 2014 postseason without penalty by Monday's deadline, so to me... At least, that kind of makes it seem like Crawford does intend to return to the team at some point here before the Hawks are scheduled to arrive in Edmonton on July 26th. Although, I do have to admit that hearing Colleton speak about the situation after the first day of camp yesterday did not make me feel too good about Crawford's potential return. We heard Colleton talk about how Malcolm Subban, Colin Delia, Kevin Lankinen, and Matt Tompkins all will have an equal opportunity to compete at the at the goaltender position for the starting job, and just even hearing him mention a competition really makes me worried that there are serious conter- concerns about Crawford's thoughts on rejoining the team sometime in the next couple of weeks here. But it's not like you can really blame the guy, though, as we continue to see NHL players test positive for COVID-19 all over the country, and... Whenever it seems like this whole return-to-play plan is finally gaining some steam, we hit another setback due to either multiple players from a team testing positive or an entire practice facility getting shut down. With a three-month-old baby in Crawford's life, I fully understand why he might want to consider sitting this one out, especially considering that the Hawks, realistically, they, they don't have a shot to win this whole thing with their current roster makeup, even with Crow. If he isn't able to suit up, though, then, quite frankly, the Hawks might not win a game in this best-of-five series with 
either Subban or Delia expected to be in net against Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, and the potent Edmonton Oilers offense. That sounds like an absolute embarrassment there on live television. Uh, I actually answered a fan question yesterday as part of our Mailbag Monday segment where I was asked if the Hawks are planning to go forward, uh, planning to move forward with a goaltender that's currently in their system, or if they're going to go the free agent route if they do not plan to re-sign Crawford this summer. And to me, putting Subban in net, even though that likely will happen if Crawford can't go, putting in, putting Subban in net, to me, does not make any real sense because, one, you're not going to win the Stanley Cup with Malcolm Subban in this defense. Let's be honest with ourselves here. And two, because he is more than likely not going to be in the system next year unless he shines for the Hawks if he does have to step in come August 1st. I think the playoffs would, without a doubt, be overwhelming for an inexperienced goaltender like Delia, but it could also be a good way to learn how to hang with the big boys at an early age. I talked about this while discussing Kirby Dock yesterday, actually, and there is no better practice than game experience. Sometimes the results may not be what you want them to be, but so be it. This is not a cup-contending team at the moment. Let's take a chance here and maybe give Delia some real experience against one of the best offenses in the entire league. It will only do him good in the future, you'd think. Maybe, maybe I'm crazy for thinking that, but hey, even if they lose this series to Edmonton, that means the Hawks have a 12.5% chance of landing surefire number one pick Alexi Lafreniere in the 2020 NHL draft. So I honestly look at this 2014 postseason as a win-win for the Blackhawks as regardless, they will either be gaining playoff experience or having a solid chance at swiping the first selection in this year's draft. So either way, I think the Blackhawks are going to be happy with their results come uh, however long they make it in this 2014 postseason, if it even all happens. So yeah, I think the Blackhawks should look at this opportunity and really understand that if they don't have Corey Crawford, they're not going anywhere. That let's like we all know that if the Blackhawks don't have Corey Crawford, they're not going to beat this Edmonton Oilers team. Even with Crawford, it was going to be a challenge to complete that upset. So I think that it would it would be wise to give Colin Delia some playoff experience. While you know that Malcolm Subban isn't going to be the starting goaltender of the future, Delia does have a chance to have that spot somewhere down the line. So this could be a good learning moment moment for him early in his career. All right, so I think that is going to wrap up our conversation on Corey Crawford's absence from the Blackhawks' first day of training camp on Monday. Now let's move on to our next topic, which is forward Andrew Shaw's Instagram post from Monday night, where he announced that he fully intends to return to professional hockey next season after being out since the end of November with a concussion. This is the Locked On Blackhawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for listening today. I am your host, Jack Bushman. Be sure to check out my personal Twitter page, at JackBushman2, and my Blackhawks Twitter page, at TalkinHockey. It's capital T-A-L-K-I-N, capital H-A-W-K-E-Y, for all the latest Blackhawks news and updates. Also, be sure to subscribe and follow Locked On Blackhawks for free wherever you listen to your podcasts and also on Twitter to get the latest episode of this podcast as soon as it comes out each day. 
Okay, so we just finished talking about all of the news surrounding Corey Crawford's absence from Blackhawks training camp on Monday. Now I wanted to be sure to quickly mention Andrew Shaw's Instagram post from Monday night, where he stated that he plans on returning to professional hockey next season after sitting out for the last handful of months because of yet another concussion, which appeared to put his career in jeopardy there for a little bit. So, Shaw's full post read, I just wanted to let all Blackhawks fans and hockey fans know that I am doing well and getting better every day. I feel healthy and am close to being fully healed from not just my last concussion, but from others I've had over the years. I've learned a lot about concussions and head injuries a lot the past few years thanks to the Blackhawks medical staff of Dr. Mike Terry, Mike Gapsky, Jeff Thomas, and Patrick Becker. They have helped me in more ways than I can thank them. I love them dearly for doing so because I am the type of person who would play through anything for my teammates. With all that being said, along with my family who has shown me so much support, we have come to the difficult decision that these extra five months until next season would be great for my health and recovery. I look forward to being back next season better and stronger than ever. There's nothing I would love more than to be back out on the ice with my boys battling for Lord Stanley. I'll be cheering my teammates on and supporting the Blackhawks throughout this run. Love you boys and miss you like crazy. So, some really good news there regarding Andrew Shaw's future with the Hawks. And also, just really good to hear that he's sounding better overall. Those concussion situations are always so scary to deal with. And we always hear about so many traumatic experiences from NHL players. So, I completely understand Shaw's patience with this situation. And honestly... Kudos to him for taking these extra months to get himself all the way back to 100%, without a doubt the right call for his health. So, after we got some bad news from the Blackhawks training camp early on Monday regarding Corey Crawford's absence, just a few hours later, the team receives some much-needed positive news pertaining to Andrew Shaw's future with the team. Alright, now I think that will take us to our next topic for today's episode, which is the Edmonton-Oilers line combinations from their first day of training camp yesterday. So the Oilers rolled with a top line of Ryan Nugent Hopkins, Connor McDavid, and Zach Cassian, with Andreas Athanasiu, Leon Dreisaitl, and Kyler Yamamoto making up the second line. Now, this is significant because the Oilers' second line for Basically, the entire season was Nugent Hopkins, Dreisaitl, and Yamamoto, which was one of the most productive trios in the entire NHL for most of the season. But Oilers coach Dave Tippett, I guess, decided to split up that line combination, at least for Monday's practice, so it'll certainly be interesting to see if Tippett keeps Nugent Hopkins on the top line with McDavid instead of on the second line with Dreisaitl. Edmonton then rolled with a third line of Tyler Ennis, Riley Shahan, and Josh Archibald, with James Neal, Jujar Kara, and Alex Chason making up their fourth line. So, overall, pretty scary up top, with the top two point producers in the NHL leading the way at the center position. And then, Edmonton also has some serious depth pieces up front as well. Nugent Hopkins has had a very good year here for Edmonton, and then Kyler Yamamoto has been one of the league's breakout stars this season with 26 points in 27 games. James Neal also got off to a tremendous start before cooling off a little bit, and then they also have guys like Ennis, Shahan, Chason, etc. Those guys really are quality depth pieces to their forward department. So overall, top to bottom, there's no arguing that the Oilers definitely have the advantage over the Blackhawks on offense. On defense, 
I talked a bit about this yesterday as Edmonton rolled with the exact D combinations that I expected with Oscar Clefbaum and Adam Larson on the top pairing, Darnell Nurse and Ethan Bear on the second, and then Chris Russell and Matt Benning rounding it out with Mike Green not joining the team for the 2020 postseason due to family health concerns. So, between the Blackhawks and the Oilers, I wouldn't expect this to be uh, much of a defensive series, especially if Crawford isn't able to suit up for the Hawks. With both of these teams relying heavily on their offenses and timely saves to win them games, this series really could come down to the special teams play and, quite frankly, just a couple of lucky bounces. So I think that takes care of all of the news out of the Oilers' first day of training camp on Monday. Now it's time to move on to our daily segment here on the podcast, which is regular season recap, where I give a brief recap of one of the Blackhawks players' 2019-20 regular seasons, just as a bit of a refresher on how they did this year before the potential best-of-five playing series against the Edmonton Oilers. Jack Bushman, your host of the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast. You can reach me on Twitter at JackBushman2 or at Talkin' Hockey, or you can also email the Lockdown Blackhawks email, which is LockdownBlackhawks at gmail.com for any questions regarding the show, myself, or simply just life in general. Okay, so we just finished talking about the Edmonton Oilers line combinations from their first day of training camp. Now it's time to move on to our daily regular season recap segment, with today's feature being two-time Stanley Cup champion and Blackhawks 25-year-old defenseman, Ole Mata. So, the Blackhawks acquired Mata last summer from the Pittsburgh Penguins in exchange for Dominic Cahoon, which was certainly an interesting move for the Hawks at the time. It was obvious that they had to make some adjustments on defense following the 2018-19 season, but Mata was a guy that was trending in the wrong direction out in Pittsburgh, while Cahoon was coming off a pretty impressive first NHL campaign. Following Mata's rookie season in 2013-14, in which he finished 5th in the Calder Trophy voting, the Finnish defenseman was continuously dealing with health issues, and he was also a slower defenseman that was having a hard time adapting with the rapid pace increase in the NHL over the last few seasons. Still, Mata has valuable playoff experience as he averaged over 19 minutes per game for the Penguins during those back-to-back Stanley Cup championships, so the move made sense for a couple of reasons for the Blackhawks. In his first season with the Hawks this year, Mata, at times, showed why the Penguins were eager to shed his $4 million per year contract, but he did also have impressive moments as well, especially when paired with Slater Cuckoo towards the end of the season. But in total, The former first-round pick of the 2012 NHL Draft wound up playing in 65 of the Hawks' 70 games this season, finishing with just 4 goals and 13 assists for 17 points, although he's never been considered much of an offensive defenseman throughout his career. Mata finished with a dead-even plus-minus rating at 0, 110 blocks, and 119 hits in 18.25 of ice time per game, which was the second lowest of a 6-year NHL career. His 119 hits, though, were the second most on the Blackhawks, with Connor Murphy recording only nine more than he did, and Mata's 110 block shots were good for third on the team as well. So, Mata may not have lit up the stat sheet this season in the offensive categories, and he may have not wowed the fans very much, but that just isn't what he's trying to do out there on the ice. He's one of those guys that he's going to do the little things for the Blackhawks, And even when he's doing his job well, he probably just isn't getting noticed by the average fan all that much because there's just not that that much flash to his game. 
taking a look at some of Mata's possession numbers here quickly, and he took a major step back towards the 50% hiatus this season after posting a horrendous 46.4 Corsi percentage last season with the Penguins. This year, he was back up at 49.2%, which really is not that bad when you consider that the Hawks were more often than not on the wrong side of the possession numbers as a team. Mata was also on the ice for 50 goals for to 54 goals against at even strength, but for someone who plays a bit more in the defensive zone and is known more for his defensive skills, anything near even for him is something the Hawks surely will take given the state of their defense. As for Mata's top performance of the season, it's always hard to tell with a defensive defenseman because the numbers in the box score don't always tell the full story, but his top performance was likely on New Year's Eve in Calgary as he picked up one of his two multi-point efforts on the year with a goal and an assist, one blocked shot, and a plus two plus minus rating in 18:36 time on ice. Not to mention, the Hawks went on to win the contest by a score of 5-3, wrapping up their decade of dominance with a victory. All in all, Mata probably was not worth the $4 million the Hawks paid him this season to play mostly on their third defensive pairing, but at the same time, things certainly would have been worse had Mata not been here, especially when you consider the losses of Brent Seabrook and Calvin DeHaan on the back end for the majority of the year. Without Mata, then another young guy is likely in the lineup every night, and who knows if the Hawks are even in a position to be in this 24-team postseason. Mata is definitely a candidate to get bought out by the Blackhawks this season to save a few bucks with their backs already up against the salary cap, but if he does play well alongside Slater Cuckoo, as I expect him to be in the playoffs, then hey, maybe the Hawks will decide to keep him around for one more season with the Seattle expansion draft lurking next summer. Alright, so I think that is going to wrap up Blackhawks defenseman Oli Mata's regular season recap and also Thursday, July, oh, Thursday, Tuesday, July 13th episode of Lockdown Blackhawks. Thank you again for tuning into the show, and as always, make sure to give the Lockdown Blackhawks Twitter page a follow, at capital L, capital O, underscore Blackhawks, as some good Hawks news will be posted there daily. Also, be sure to subscribe and follow the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast for free, right now on your favorite podcast app and you'll get the latest episode as soon as it comes out each day and after the show ask your smart device to play the lockdown nhl podcast for all the latest news about the potential return to hockey in the next few weeks or so thank you again for tuning into today's episode i am your host jack bushman you can catch me on twitter at my personal account at jack bushman 2 or my blackhawks account at talking hockey for any questions at all regarding anything related to the lockdown blackhawks podcast you can always email LockdownBlackhawks at gmail.com or call 708-653-0572 to leave a voicemail. So until tomorrow's episode, I hope you enjoy the rest of your day, and thank you again for listening to today's episode of Lockdown Blackhawks.